Hey, what's up? This is Evan, and this is Dungeon Talk, episode 28. On today's episode, we're going to talk about winning. What is winning to you? How do you think you win at D&D? And we try to phrase it like if somebody else asked you how do you win, what would you tell them? Today's episode is going to be myself, Michael, Jared, and Caleb. Jared, you probably know from some previous Dungeon Talks, and Caleb, you might know from the website. We actually met Caleb through making the website, and he's written some articles on there. You should check them out. So without further ado, away we go. So we have gathered you all here together, and, and Jared, again, we have Caleb on with us, who's uh, written some articles for the website as well. He and I play in an online game together. Evan's here with me, and we also have a brand new guy, Dustin, who's uh, he works with Evan. Um, tonight was his first D&D session ever, so oh, uh, five of us total on here. Oh, hey guys, uh, I'm Jared. <laughs> hey Jared. So, uh, so what we want to talk about first is what is winning? When you're playing a role-playing game, can you win? What does winning mean? What does winning mean to you versus maybe the DM? So actually, I'll start with Jared, since you're on the left. What do you think winning means in an RPG, and can you win? Um, I don't know. I think it's how you look at it. I don't really look at it as winning or losing. I look at, I look at more as a game of, of just a fun. I guess if, you ha- if I had to say that there is a way to win, I would say it would be completing your character's storyline or mission or, or, you know, his campaign to where he walks off into the sunset or becomes a demigod, whatever that, whatever, you know. All right. Is that, is that how you would explain it to, like, somebody that has never played before and they said, you know, how do you win or how do you win the game or how, or can you win the game? Would it, would your explanation be, like, character development? Um, wow, that's, that's, um... I don't know because I look at it differently. The, I don't really think as as a, as a win, but I mean, I think well, it's it's, it's it, what it is. It's the journey that makes it so much fun. It's not necessarily the winning or the end that really is is what I look forward to. I mean, like I, you know, when I play Monopoly, I play it to win. But when I role play, I don't play. I don't role play to win. I role play to for the development, for the story, for the you know all of the other stuff. Well, so, that's what. If somebody says, how do you win, so if somebody says, how do you win, honestly, I don't really know how I would answer that question. I guess it would depend on the person because, you know, everybody's looking for something something different, so. Well, that's what one of the things that I started to think about when I was talking about it with a couple other people was, do you think that, think tabletop RPG or, or just D&D should be thought of as a role-playing game because normally when people think of a game, it's something, there's an end to it. Uh, there's there's a way to win. Well, I think, oh, sorry. I think win is the wrong choice of words. But well, that's what, do you, think it, do you think that it should be thought of as something else or it should be explained in a different way? Of I would of, say, how do you complete? This is a role-playing yeah. experience or this is a role-playing session or something. Yeah, how do you get to completion or whatever? Because um, technically, in order to win, the whole group or whoever you're traveling with or whatever would technically, in most cases, need to win. So there is no, hey, I win, you all lose kind of thing. So it's, I think win is probably a, a, not the right word you should use. I would say more, how do you get to completion? And that's a little bit easier question to answer. Well, I guess that could I be could... dirty, though. I, I guess I could throw another question out. <laughs> I could, I could throw, throw another question out for everybody in the group, which is, do you, when you think of whether or not you can win the game, or do you think, or, or completion? <clears throat> I should choose a different word. Yeah. Yeah. But is it? How about ejaculate? <laughs> Much better. Much better. You've never been to one of Michael's games. <laughs> Warning, this um, game is for mature audiences. <laughs> I always wear goggles. But um, what kind of game do you hope for? What kind of game do you like better? Is it one where you want to see your character evolve and become something, and that's what your main focus in the game is? Or do you like a game where there is a clear goal set out, like a more of the type of game that we started playing tonight where, you know, it's a typical um, save the princess or, or rescue somebody or find a lost item, something where there's, from the beginning, there are terms, there's basically winning terms set out. Like, from the beginning, it's, it's 
you know, listed here. If you can do this, that's the story will be complete, and that's how you will win. Do you like games like that, and is that are those the kind of games you hope for, or do you like games that are more character and character driven, where you can just explore your characters and and you know follow their paths? I want to let Caleb jump in here because we kind of didn't let him the first time. So Caleb, if you want to jump in, you can even go back to the original question, like what is winning, and then try to cover on Evan's sort of adjusted question. Um, well, yeah, to go back um, to what you're saying, Evan, it, it is much, it, it's much more uh, a completion of the journey, I think, when you are, are playing D&D. Because um, you're telling a story, and your story doesn't end like a game of Monopoly ends. So I think a lot of times you have to be patient and let the journey play out, and that's where the successes or failures come in. And it's up to the GM to give the his players, his or her players, um, little things during the game that they can celebrate. And I think that's where 4th edition really kind of codified, put it right into writing, hey, at the end of the game, there is an end. You complete your epic destiny and your demigod and get out of the game. Um, so it gave you a more direct endpoint to work to, which you certainly don't have to use, but it's nice to see it in print. But they also, in fourth, included things like milestones. And again, it's nothing we've never done when playing second or third, but putting it in writing puts it more in the mind of GM to wake them up and say, hey, dude, give your player something to celebrate and say, hey, you completed something. Congratulations. Have you uh, have you played 13th Age at all, Caleb? Uh, 13th Age? No. Okay. One of the things they did there, which I, was kind of mirrors what you're talking about, is they have something called incremental advances. Mm. And after every game session, you get like one point towards a level. So let's say normally when you level, you get hit points, you get a plus to attack, and you get a spell, for example. Mm-hmm. After session one, you pick which one you want. Okay, I'll take hit points this, this session. Yeah. Next session, at the end of the session, you get to add your feet, and then the next session, you add your spell. So after four sessions, you've accumulated all of your level up rather than getting it all at one time. And I think that's along those same lines that, that you have a mechanical, definable advancement after each game that you can say... I have gotten one step closer to my goal of leveling up or completing this quest. No, I like that. That's a, It's a good way to break things down, make it a little bit more understandable for um, for players and GMs, regardless of their, um, their experience level. Well, I also think it, it breaks up that thing that you get sometimes where when you level, so like you go into the orc cave at level one and you're trying to survive everything, and then... The next morning you wake up and you can kill everything in there because you leveled up to level two in the middle. It's, you know, at least this way you're getting slowly better. It's it's more realistic to use a terrible term for an RPG. I think Evan has something. Um, would everybody agree? I've only, I'm only um, experienced with one person's games. That's Michael. But in other people's games, is experience points something that's often just forgotten about or thrown to the side, or in either your other games, Jared or Caleb, is experience points something that's taken really seriously and they're ta- they're totaled up and tallied at the end of every night? Because I was thinking, you know, at, at its at its root, at its core, isn't that what experience points are supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be giving you little short-term accomplishment feelings of go- of working towards goal. Right. Uh, you guys are going to get me talking here for the entire thing. You keep asking these questions. Uh, because uh, I'll I mean, shut up when I'm ready. So just yeah, yeah, I have a tendency to just keep uh, keep rambling. I'm just amused on. by the knowledgeable baby that's talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trust me, you, you want to look at that as opposed to my ugly face. So, um, uh, well, before we move on to that, I kind of wanted to address the the original character. Just one minor add. Um, and then we can move on if you guys want. But uh, I have I, I have had one character that has made it through an entire campaign to completion and, you know, rode off into the sunset. And if playing D&D 
for that goal, for that end story, expecting that to happen, then you're going to be disappointed because in the eight years I've been playing, um, that's only happened once. It is, and then going on to your second point about the the, the mini goals or whatever, you know, like uh, when you guys say awarding XP, I do it a little differently in my games because, uh, you know, you're, you're going to have that one person in the group that's really experienced and he's going to be doing uh, things and he could level up quicker if, you, if you're if you handing out XP. I tend to do it a little bit differently, um, but I don't need to get into that. I'll let somebody else talk, but... Uh, Caleb, what are your experiences with... What's your experience with experience points? <laughs> um, are most of the games that you play have played in, do they get tossed to the side and are kind of forgotten about, and the, the DM just levels you when he feels like it's time? In my current gaming situation, we rarely get the opportunity to play a campaign more than two or three sessions. We're just all so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, in older times, when we actually were able to play every weekend when we were back in school, um, yeah, we we went really hardcore straight to the rules. Uh, you start zero, and hey, you beat a couple orcs. Here's five XP. Um, and we stuck to those rules for years just because it's what was in the book. Um, when I've run games in my early days, I had to rely on that like a crutch because I didn't really understand some of the finer aspects of um, building encounters in CR. So I, I really used XP to help me out as a, as a new GM. Um, but I always kept everyone equally leveled. So even though I was awarding raw experience points, for my own, uh, for my own ease of building what I considered a balanced encounter, I always gave everyone exactly the same XP, so they were always at the same level. I think that's something, just sort of like as games evolve, and I never, I haven't really thought about it because I haven't used experience points in years. Like I've been doing story-based leveling, at least seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, that if you're a brand new player, that maybe the experience points are a helpful tool because you do feel that uh, immediacy success, you, you see progress towards leveling, that that becomes important, where maybe once you've played for a while, it becomes less important. And it could also be play style. I mean, you have people that really focus on combat. They're a very mechanical by the numbers player. They're winning is beating the monster that they couldn't beat last week because of tactics or or new abilities, new spells. So for that type of player, maybe experience points would be um, a benefit or would be wanted, where someone like me who likes the story-based stuff uh, doesn't really care. Well, let's be honest. I agree with you completely. Um, As you should. (laughs) um, It is, I would say, 99% certain that all of us who play D&D grew up playing old-school Super Nintendo role-playing games. We all played Final Fantasies, uh, Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger, etc., etc. I just have to say I've never played any of this. (laughs) Uh, I I have. I have to quit this call right now. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have Final Fantasy on my emulator. I feel you. I also also never had a Super Nintendo. (laughs) Well, you're the 1%. Yes. I got a hand-me-down Nintendo from my brother, and I played RBI Baseball for like 10 years. What a loser. <laughs> <laughs> and, and RC but, Pro-Am. Sorry, Caleb, go ahead. Conceptually, when you play an RPG, regardless of the era or the system, there's a numerical total that you can see on the screen. Um, and I I would say the majority of us that, that, are, that started that before our gaming careers, or use that as a foundation for our gaming careers, you want to see that numerical total running. It makes you feel good. It's- I can remember my version was Eye of the Beholder on Super Nintendo. I played the shit out of that game. And there were many nights where I would stay up late because I was just a few experience points away from that next level. It's like reading a good book, and you're like, hey, I'll read one more chapter. And I would keep going 
until I got to that next level. Oh, yeah. Especially um, any of the Final Fantasy Tactics games, when you see that little bar reaching and you're like, I'm going to hit the next level so that I can learn that one skill that has I've been needing for 20 games. I need to play until I get that that level and just get that bar up to level 20 or whatever it was. So, um, My... I... Go ahead. Sorry, Caleb. Did you have something to no, say? I was going to say, I just think that it helps make it... It helps solidify what you're doing. Because we know we're playing pretend. So it helps you say, hey, this is a real-world concrete... Um, it's something I can latch on to and understand in my non-pretend life. So kind of going back to what Jared was saying earlier, I thought you were telling me to go. You pointed at me to go, and then you started talking. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were like telling me. I thought you gave oh, me the nod. Go ahead. All right, so going back to what Jared was saying, because um, I feel like I'm closer in line with, with his comments that, for me, it's the journey. Like, I, 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 enjoy, I enjoy moments. Like, for me, winning is finding a super cool moment where I can, as either a player or a character, um, say something funny. Like, I think even Kale will know, like, when we, we, we play Fate, I always look for that moment where I can tell a joke and make people laugh. Yeah. That's my enjoyment. And then other side, there's different people that, that they're mechanical. Like, they want to get that plus five to hit. That is their winning, where they started the game at plus four. And I'm sure there's probably other play styles that fall somewhere in the middle, completing a quest, um, you know, finding some sort of in-game reward. So I don't know that there is a winning condition that's universal. I think it depends on why you play the game, which for me is actually the the more important question I want to get to in a second. I know Evan's got a point, but I think the the impetus of this question was you're trying to explain D&D or role-playing games to a new person, and a very common-sense question would be, well, how do you win? And then you explain, well, you can't really win. (laughs) Then their next question might be, well, then why do you play? (laughs) <laughs> and that's kind of what I wanted to get to, but I want to let Evan go because I keep cutting him off. So what do you want to say, Evan? Well, that's uh, – eventually this, I'm going to ramble for a minute, but the point is why do you play? But to piggyback off of what Caleb was saying and where you play old-school RPGs, I, my uh, version of that would be I've played all the, I played all the Diablos, and I played Diablo when I was in, uh, in high school, the first one, and um, – I, it's the same thing where, you know, I'm sitting there watching my level bar go up or I'm just playing for the next drop. I mean, like, I pick my... You pick your skills and your spells and how so how you're going to approach combat, but then once you get in, actually, in actual combat, you're just button mashing. You're just hitting... You're either clicking the mouse key over and over again and you're, or you're hitting the X, the X button on your controller, and that gets repetitive. So And you don't really get a lot out of that, but what you do get a lot out of is, like you said... I'd, I'd be like, okay, maybe if I stay up for another half an hour, I can get to level 21. And once I get to level 21, my damage mod is going to go up by 10 points. And then, I'll, you know, I'll shut it off. And so those little increments of just watching your character get more and more and more powerful is what you're playing that for. And D&D, the way D&D is structured, is really no different. You're supposed to keep getting more experience so that you gain levels so that you your abilities and skills and your strength and your AC and all that stuff keeps going up but does I was way I was kind of thinking about it was is the nature of what is winning to you change just because now you have this social interaction with other people like when Caleb you were saying that it's hard for you to play a game that is lasts more than two or three or four sessions nowadays because of everybody's schedules. It's just hard to get together. So what is the thing that makes you keep wanting to go back? Because you're obviously not being able to complete a story and see, and see that quote completion. Um, <laughs> so what is it that makes you feel like you're enjoying it and you want to keep going back? Is it, it is D and D is winning in D&D more about the social interaction at the table than it is really just watching that character development? Um, oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I think this has to do a little bit with um, maturing as a, as a gamer, learning more about it, growing up, getting older. Um, it is much more about the social aspect of sitting around the table with five or six of my best friends 
and hanging out. Um, it's so hard to say, hey, let's go grab a beer, let's go grab dinner. But if we say, hey, let's play D&D on Friday, it's more of a concrete, let's set aside some time and do it. And even if we can only play a couple sessions, uh, the social contract we have to hang out, uh, the fact that it's more um, you know, collective storytelling and we're just riffing off each other to do some cool things, we all have a lot of fun. Now, I love completing a campaign, and I love taking a character through his journey, whatever that is, but if I can't do it, I'm still going to have fun at the table. Yeah, and I think me being a social player, I'm kind of the same way. The game oftentimes is secondary to me than just hanging out with my friends as a player. As a DM, I'm more OCD about trying to, you know, do things. Um, and I think I've, I mentioned this before on other podcasts, but if I play a video game, Mass Effect, Final Fantasy, I'm the holder, I min-max the shit out of that game. I will do everything I can to make sure that I have the most hit points, the most power, that I can easily walk through the game. Right. It's not about telling a story with your character or right. having that concept. Yeah, it's just how how good can I game the system. But when I role play, I'm completely opposite. I I could care less if I have a three strength as as a fighter. That's going to be an interesting and funny story to tell. So I I care so little about. I mean, like when you get into combat, you still want to be cool in combat. But that is such a much smaller percentage of what I care about. It's more about the social stuff and being funny for me. That those those two kind of lose a comparison in my mind. That that as a player, I don't have the same reaction to a role playing game as I do the video game. So the incremental advances aren't as important to me. Again, a video game, hundred percent. Role playing game, different. Jared, you've been quiet. What do you want to say? No, I'm I'm just taking it all in. I think you guys make very good points. Um, we do. The, the the only the only thing I would add, which you guys have probably already covered, is uh, I mean, the, if if you really want to look at it as to as comparing it to video games, is uh, you know, a lot of people play. I mean, do you, a lot when you're playing a video game, the the majority of the fun you're having in that video game isn't beating it. The majority of the fun is going through the game, and that's the same concept here. And you may get another new game and then come back to that game later, and later, and that's kind of the that's kind of the, the, the process that I'm thinking of uh, is the best way of explaining it is just, um, you know, those, those moments when you're, you're playing a game and you do that one thing and everybody in the group's just, just bursting out laughing and, you know, it's just that those, those moments there, you know, that's kind of what makes, makes it uh, a, a one-of-a-kind you know, one experience that you're not going to get from anything else. And that kind of, that's why role-playing is you can't really compare it to, uh, you know, exactly to a video game or the experience you would have in a video game or something. If, if we're talking to somebody who's new to D&D &D or whatever system, um, because, you know, some systems handle it different and whatever, but it's it's those, you know, that that critical role of the dice or that, that one thing where you stump the DM and, uh, you know, you said something to a character and he's like, holy shit, I didn't expect that. And the the whole story changes and, and you know, and it's because of something you did or something. All of these things, it's just, uh, um, you know, all of that is what makes it such a, a fun and, and unique experience. So. All right, Evan? I, yeah, I tried sort of giving an, another way to look at it to somebody that online and... You know, when you compare it to, let's say, I th sometimes I think role-playing game gives people who haven't played it before the wrong impression. It's certain, you know, I've only been playing for a couple of years, and the way I thought about it before was I definitely thought of D&D as more of a linear game where you play through a story with an end and you defeat, you defeat something, you beat something, you win at something. That's, you know, it's just the... It's the only reason I thought about it that way was because I didn't have anything else to compare it to. The only thing that I had to compare it to were other games, which were either sports, like real sports, or video games. And for instance, in sports, you keep track of a score. You're either winning or losing. Like in sports, it doesn't matter if you're having fun. You're either winning or losing. And so when you think of a game, you kind of compare it to other things like that, like a video game like Call, mm -hmm. Call of Duty or a sport like baseball. 
there's only two modes. You're winning or you're losing. If you're winning, you're having fun. If you're losing, you're not. But in D&D, there's really, you're not really winning or losing. And I feel like instead of looking at it as in terms of a score or winning or losing, it should, the score is kind of like you're either having fun or you're not having fun. Because, like, I was, Dustin was at my house before tonight's game, and I was saying, uh, you know, just out of the few games that I've played, the, the good games just came down to the story and the characters. And it didn't have anything to do with my abilities or my spells or my armor class or how powerful I was. It came down to the way the group interacted with each other and the way the story was evolving and the decisions we were making and those kinds of things. So we were in the games that I've been playing, I've either been having fun or I haven't been having fun. And when I'm having fun, I think I'm winning. And when I'm not having fun, it kind of feels like I'm losing. Right. I, uh, I, I put the, the topic for the question on our Google page and um, some other places like on Reddit and Facebook to try to get some interaction. And I had, did have one person, uh, Joe Haybell, uh, respond back, and it was just one sentence. He said, if everyone's having fun, then you win. And I assume that that would translate to a person. Like, if you're having fun at the table, then you are winning in that sense. Um, one of the things that Evan said kind of jumped in my mind, too, because, again, we're still kind of framing this topic around explaining the game to someone who's not played before. So either someone who's just found, found out you play games and they're like, I don't, like, what, what does that mean? And you're trying to make it make sense. Or someone who may be interested but doesn't know enough about the game yet. We're trying to explain what it means. How do you win? How do you have fun? So I'll t- go to you, Jared. Give me like an example. Like, tell me about a character you played in or a campaign. Keep it relatively short. That <laughs> felt would be like, like if you were trying to convince someone to play and you wanted them to be so excited that they had to play, what story in your history as a player would you share with them? Oh, that's a that's a tough question. Um, well, the, well, I'll just start off by saying what got me into role playing. Um, you know, the first character I ever played. Um, it's uh, his name was Kratos. He's just a simple fighter in D and D three point five, and basically we went to uh, a, you know a hobby store and played with a bunch of people, and it was an experience that I've never. And being a, a gamer my entire life, uh, playing video games, it was an experience that I've never ever. Uh, had before, um, basically where you're in a table full of a bunch of nerds and you immerse yourself and you see people become something that they're not. And it's um, in, uh, when you see people who are truly, really dedicated to the role-playing aspect of the game, it is, it is unlike anything else. And uh, that's what really got me into it was the fact that we've got you know, a guy who probably has never picked a lock in his life who is all of a sudden an expert lock picker and is also very good looking, but he's in real life he's got tape around his glasses and he looks like a fucking monster. And but it's like uh but all of a sudden he's transformed into this charismatic rogue who can pick locks and it's just that experience around the table of people who are dedicated like that that just it's just there's really no way to describe it except to do to be immersed in that experience. Um, that, that's the short version, I guess. All right, Caleb. Um, same same question to you. Give me your best story to try to get me excited about role playing games. Caleb, can I phrase it just a little bit differently to you? Because it's actually something that I wrote down. Is there is there a character or a story that you felt very accomplished with? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I wrote about him for the site. Um, Connor, my 3-5 cleric. Uh, he was the second character I ever played as. And I did not really do anything special with him um, mechanically. He was just a cleric straight out of the book. Everything that I did that made him come alive to me was through role-playing. Um, in our very first session, that he was level one. I'd never played a cleric before, had no idea what I was doing. Uh, we were fighting zombies on the beach, and I needed a weapon. So I, um, I asked the GM if I could find a, a piece of the ship that we had crashed in that to use as a weapon. He let me roll for it. 
I critted on that roll. So he told me um, I stumbled backwards. You picked up a cannon. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's better than that, actually. He told me I stepped on a plank and it flipped up into my hand, Marty McFly style. And then I just, and he let me carry that into an attack. And that was just such a cool split second moment. That made me feel that I was playing that Connor character in reality. And then a little bit later in that same session, um, and again, I was a raw player. I didn't know what I was doing at all. But we had buried some of um, the NPCs because the zombies killed them. And without even thinking, just because I was in the mode of Connor, um, I actually ha- I actually role-played out the burial rites that Connor gave these guys. And the GM was so impressed, uh, I got a, a pretty sizable XP bonus for it, because he didn't expect me to do that. What meant more to you, the, him giving you the XP bonus, or just you the experience of you getting to do it in that satisfaction? Uh, it... In that context, it was the XP bonus. Because I wasn't thinking at that point in my gaming life of what do I need to do to get to the next level. It was what do I need to do to play this character the best way I possibly can. So I just did what felt right in the moment from a role-playing standpoint. And when the GM looked at me totally surprised and he said dude, I didn't think you were going to do that. Here's 100 XP for doing that. I said, oh, if I do cool things, I get rewarded. I'm going to keep doing that. All right, Dustin, I want to ask you, what was your favorite D&D moment ever? <laughs> uh, uh, I would have to say... Chinese um, food? Yeah, the Chinese food before we played tonight. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite moment, but I can understand... Was there to make the connection? Was there a moment in tonight's game that when it happened, you felt you kind of went, I kind of I get what is fun about this, or I get why you want to keep playing if more stuff like this happened? Yeah, uh, well, just I'm going backwards. Evan never played the video games. I played the video games. This is my first time playing D and D, where it's different that you need to come out of out of your shell a little bit with it, as opposed to just creating a character going through the motions of, well, I attacked, now it's your turn. You know, you need to add that element of yourself to it, which that's actually what made it, realizing that made it cooler for me. It made it a lot more tangible. Okay. So we, we kind of invited Dustin because this really was his first not ever playing, and, and this is sort of like the actual situation we're talking about. Dustin knew that D, Evan played D&D, kind of came out in conversation. He had some questions like, well, what is it? How do you play? How do you win? And Evan's been trying to explain to Dustin. Although how you do Dustin this. never asked me how do you win, that seems to be it seems to be a question that I that comes out of a certain kind of person. Someone that doesn't really want to play, but yeah, I think so. Interested. And I just think is uh, I think what actually happened is what happens most of the time is what you say is well you have to play it. Like I can't actually. T- it's like the Matrix. I can't tell you what playing D and D is like but I can show you. That's exactly the way I explained that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if, actually, we're they're, done, they're it was more like... So if somebody asks me, I just direct them to your website and be like, it's all there. That's <laughs> the right answer. That's exactly, Correct. All right, moving on to the next subject. Um, no, with Dustin, like we, we work together, and he, I think he just... I guess maybe D&D, after I told him I was playing, it was something that he stored in the back of his head, and maybe kept asking himself, like, I wonder what that is, or I wonder what that's like. And then every time we would see each other at work, he would know, like, okay, today's Wednesday, and Evan plays D&D on Tuesdays. So on Wednesday, he'd go, so uh, what, uh, tell me about the game. Like, what happened? And he keep he would keep asking me on a weekly basis, like, what happened in the game? And I think he got a kick out of fall- out of seeing this story happen that we were making up, and I think it entertained him and and was like that sounds like sounds like something cool. I, am I putting words in your mouth, or is that 
Or maybe I'm just a good friend, Evan. <laughs> he, he was doing what we call humoring you. <laughs> Damn it. He's showing interest. So, the... There was something that I, else that I was going to go into on this subject, but before, did you have want to say like a character or yeah. a story or something that you played yeah. in where you felt like you a, accomplishment or winning? So I, I have two different perspectives. As a DM, it's very different, but as a player, I can remember playing in a game. This was in college, where I had created an elaborate background that I had this great wrong in my life. This 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 person of power had taken my family from me and. I, you know, I swore vengeance against this person, and, and every decision my character made was, does this get me closer to vengeance? Does this get me closer to vengeance? Very similar to Inigo Montoya in Princess Bride. I'm sure that was part of my inspiration there. And within that game, I eventually had the opportunity to fight the person that, that wronged me. Again, very similar to Princess Bride. And I was able to defeat them. And at that point, my character, I was just like, wow, what, what do I do now? My, my entire adult life as a character has been chasing this guy down. He's now dead at my feet. So I had my character commit suicide. So just there on top of his body, I killed myself because I had nothing else to live for. And I still, I mean, I remember that vividly. I remember that game vividly. I had such a huge sense of accomplishment that I'd, I set a goal and I had, had got to it. And again, the people who play, for, who play for a long time, Jared and Caleb can probably attest, that doesn't happen very often. It's very rare that you get a character arc to completion. The game falls apart, your character dies, whatever. So I was like, shit, I don't know what to do now. So I killed myself, but I still remember that as a huge accomplishment. I felt that I had a feeling like that when I was playing Zane, who was a character that um, his brother and his father disappeared. And then at one point in the game... Uh, well, for most of the game and most of my life, I had been searching for my brother and father. And then in the game, I found them. And then I and they told me what they had been doing all this time. And I had well, I had a moment of like, well, shit. Like, <laughs> like what do I, you know? What? Every, this up until this point in the game, I've had a focus, and now I don't have a focus anymore. I have I have a new element of the story to carry out, but that main focus and drive. You've, it, you know, it's been explained. It's yeah. kind of, you know, it's, I think it would be like, you know, if somebody told you the meaning of life, you'd be like, oh, well, shit. Like, <laughs> it doesn't really mean that much anymore. Because right. part, of, part of the, it's the journey, it's the searching, it's the questioning that kind of, like, is fun and encapsulating. But uh, did one of you have something to say? I have a question for Michael. When you, uh, when your character was committing suicide, do you feel like you won? <laughs> I feel like you're winning. I won just just before that, and then I felt like there was no more games that had any meaning, so there was no point in playing anymore. All right, so question answer. Next question. And I did ejaculate when I killed my character. Just, just I I got to completion. Um, Caleb. Caleb said something about. Caleb, your answer for that question was you did something in the DM that you felt like the DM rewarded you by like flipping the board into your hand and giving you this narrative and then giving you these experience points. Do you guys feel like the DM has a lot to do with whether you feel like you're winning or not? Like, are there times in the game when you feel like you're trying to do something, but the DM's not there? The DM's not giving you that moment or not giving you that. That that that's sometimes what I feel can take it take that feeling away from me, which I've only had one DM, so it's right. kind of like well, I, you I know I'm talking about you. Yeah, well, no, but I wanted to jump in there just for a second and say that um, you know, Evan has only had one DM. It has been me. I you know his entire understanding of the game is is me, and and I do think I'm a good DM. But even with that, there's things I do better than others, and I will openly admit I'm not good at combat because I don't care much about it as a player, I'm not very good at setting up combat encounters. They're not very dynamic. I don't always do a good job balancing them. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure there are DMs out there that could probably put together like a 4E-style battle that would be epic and that we would love it in the moment, but that's not the type of game I want to play in. So I think the DM, their particular strengths are absolutely going to play a role in in whether you have fun based on the type of player. Because someone who's heavy combat oriented would hate my games. We um, actually, I met a guy at work. I didn't, he, similar to, to Evan and Dustin, he just sort of found out I played D&D. He's like, I play D&D, and we had this long conversation about it. 
and he plays in a very combat-oriented Pathfinder game, and he talked about basically their whole goal is to figure out how they can break the game, like what feet stacks with what class, with you know, uh, stacks with what this, so that they can basically break the game, much like how I play video games. And I was telling him about how we played a game recently where we didn't even roll the dice more than like three times the entire session, and that was a social roll. He's like, dude, I couldn't play in your game. I'd go crazy. So, I was going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we fought tonight. It just wasn't real. But, uh, so I think the DM, compared to the player's play style, definitely would make a better or worse session, depending on how that matches up. Well, yeah, I think the DM presents the opportunities. It's, I mean, it's their job. Well, not their job, but you know, their goal to present the opportunities, and then it's how the people role-play those opportunities is what really determines. It's, uh, I mean, but it's not always the DM. I mean, the DM can can basically be one, you know, center focused and not not present the opportunities in the in a in a in a way that may be fun to the characters. But that's all. That all comes with experience. So, um, um, as I mentioned before, as a DM, my favorite thing in the world is when the characters just sort of look at each other and they either either don't know what to do or they start debating. Because I feel like I've succeeded in creating a, a realistic situation that isn't clear-cut black and white. That's why I don't normally run games where it's kill the dragon, save the princess. What you'll find out is that actually the princess is an evil priestess and she was trying to control the dragon and when you kill the dragon she raises as a lich. So there's complexity that I, I like to build in so that there are no easy answers and sometimes there's no right answers because I enjoy having people struggle with those basically stupid decisions in a game that doesn't mean anything, but they become so attached to the story that they struggle with it. And for me as a DM, that is what I consider winning, or what I live for as a DM. But you know, on the flip side of that coin, sometimes it's really fun to just sit down and kill some things. (laughs) I agree with you. It does feel pretty cool chopping off, you know, 12 uh, goblin heads with uh, Great Cleave. I have to admit, it's... uh... You should have have seen the beginning of our game tonight. Um, You'll be able to hear about it soon. Michael started us off... Should I I say it? Sure, yeah. Michael started us off with uh, just a huge battle, and he started with... Uh, he started with like 20 creatures that were just nothing, and then when we ki- and he was explaining like these extravagant ways that we were killing them. Just their heads were lopping off, and they were splitting in half. And then he's like, something even be- bigger comes in. So like a giant or an ogre comes in, and then like the bard killed it with one blow. And we were just <laughs> like, what the hell? And then uh, something even bigger came in, and then it ended. And we were just mutilating all of these things, and then a dragon flew in, and you know, eventually he said, okay, and that's when you guys kind of, like, come back to reality and you realize that the, the, the bar, you guys are sitting in a tavern and the, you're actually listening to a story that the bard is telling. But you should have seen, like, all of our faces lighting up during combat when we were just, you know, we hadn't even started a story yet. There was no story. There was zero story. The game, we were five minutes into the game, and Michael just said, okay, this, here's how we're going to start. We're going to roll initiative. And we just started killing stuff, and we were delighted. Like, we were, we were just murdering things. We were so happy. We were laughing, and everybody was just like, this is great. I don't know. I, th- I think combat is part of the story, though. So, um, honestly, um, I mean... Sorry, what, that, what was that, Jared? We couldn't hear you the first time. Oh, sorry. I said I think combat is part of the story. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's like saying... Uh, you know, the the battle for Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings wasn't part of the story. That battle is a story in itself. Um, it's so, I mean, you don't necessarily need to think of battle as outside of the story. You guys doing that part was basically you playing that bard's story. But you were just, it was just combat. I don't know, so I guess, I don't know. So. And if, if we can think about the game from a more a more psychological, a more philosophical reason, this is escapism. I mean, we're playing pretend because we want to do something we can't do in reality. Bullshit, I can do it all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, never mind. (laughs) This is tone... D&D is toned down for Jerry. Yeah, do not go into yes. space. I'm actually fighting a dragon right now as we speak, so... <laughs> that's why we can't see the picture. Yeah, that's why I'm having a bad internet connection. Okay, for everyone other than Jared. 
<laughs> in the most part, we can have a conversation with somebody. We can try to convince someone to do something. We can try to intimidate or be diplomatic. But we probably can't pick up a great sword and cut someone's head off. I say probably. Well, besides their own head, anyways. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'd so, probably cut up my own head. I, I absolutely agree that combat, in my mind, is a necessary part of the game. Um, I love role-playing, but I'm always itching to pick up the dice, whether I'm GM or a player, and see some cool shit go down. So here is um, uh, here's a question for you guys. So you guys all have more years of experience playing than me, and you've been through. I know Michael's been through multiple groups, um, always to completion. And I don't know how many how how many <laughs> years have you uh, played, Caleb? Uh, I played since I was eighteen, so not as long. Um, as some guys, so that's have you what. played with multiple groups? Yeah, yep. So one and Jared, you've played for just a few years, right? Almost eight years. Okay, that's more than I thought. Um, do you see? Because well, I think one of the things that we're getting at is there's two types of players. There's people that play for the combat, and there's people that play more for the social interaction, and kind of like well, the way I was thinking about it earlier was. It's winning is such a hard question to answer because it's kind of like trying to explain to an alien or somebody who's never had social interaction before, like, um, you know, we're, I'm going to go to the bar tonight and I'm going to sit at a table with the four or five of my buddies and we're going to have a few beers and we're going to talk. And they're going to, and they might say, well, well, how do you win? Like, how, what's the, how do you complete it? How do you win? And, and you go, well, you don't really win. It's, I'm I'm not I'm just there to have fun. It's not really about winning. And those I think those are the people that are more like um, driven by the social aspect of it. But what I wanted to ask you guys was have you seen your groups change cuz just like like imagine that group of friends in a in a in a bar friends come and go like our groups of friends in life change all the time you know one person will stop hanging out with us because we're doing an activity a lot that they don't like and have you do you see your groups of D&D players change based on that like if you have you know somebody who really likes to play combat oriented games but you're playing more of a story driven and character development game do you see them drop out and do you see your groups mold into like a group of people who all like to play the same way, so you end up with a you know with a group of all combat-oriented guys or all you know social-driven guys. Um, <laughs> we're all waiting for each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say yes and no, just to be difficult. Um, we've my groups, regardless of of what what age we've been, we've always tried to blend it pretty well. We've always tried to really balance more tactical combat with some good role-playing. Um, when we played in college and we saw each other every single day, it was less about the social aspect and it was more about getting there to actually play the game. So there was a little bit more emphasis on the tactical side of things because we knew that's how we could progress in the game. As I grew up and I stopped playing as frequently with those guys I was in school with, and I my group in, evolved into who it is now, um, and we're all you know in our early 30s and we're too busy to play most of the time. Um, it is much more that social, hey, let's get together and hang out and also do this, and so because of that, we tend to lean a little bit more towards the role-playing side and the storytelling because then we have more interaction with each other. And we can riff off each other and tell jokes and, you know, play off of each other. But we also have, you know, the dice and the combat when we want to do that. So a lot like, you know, playing a console game, like a Super Nintendo RPG or Diablo on PlayStation... If it's something that's there every day, like you can come home from work every day and just turn it on for a couple hours, it all, 
kind of like the way you're explaining playing in college, where you can play every day, and you, it's not so much of the social interaction. If it's something that's available to you to play every day, all the time, does it become more? You think it becomes more about the game, like actually going through the levels, trying to obtain the spells, trying to get to a higher level, trying to get experience points, as opposed to like you're saying now, it's more about the social aspect. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Do you feel like it's been this, it's kind of the same way? Because I know you played with a group of guys in college, and you guys played a lot. We did. I, was it more about the game then? Well, again, I was normally the DM, and I've always been a story-driven DM, so it was probably more about leveling and more about acquiring loot and, and stuff then than it is now, uh, but it wasn't so far the other way. But, again, I think that's just mostly my DMing style just always being there. Yeah, you just don't like to let people acquire loot. And... No. <laughs> I, li- I like it to mean something. Um, and actually, I kind of last thing here. We'll we'll put this this topic to bed. I think I have a way of wrapping it up that will that will just sum everything up together. Is that I'm not opposed to combat. I think it. I, I agree with what Jared said and Caleb that it has an important part of the game. It serves a function, and a lot of times, it's it's kind of like dialogue in a book. When I'm reading a book, I look forward to the dialogue because it's usually when stuff actually happens. Because when the characters come to a point that they're talking, that's when things jump forward. Or information is revealed. I think combat's the same way in D&D. You have all this role play, and it's building, and combat is when it actually stuff happens, and then it changes the story, because now the antagonist is dead, you've, you've succeeded at that part of the story, you're ready to move on to the next bad guy, or the next part of the quest, or the next part of the cave. So I think the role playing is like foreplay, and it should go on long enough that you build up to a good tension, and then you need your really hard, fast, dirty combat to get your release, and then you're ready for a real fight again. We can't help but talk about <laughs> sex. You can give us feedback and comments at our website, dndacademy.com. You can check out previous podcasts at our website and subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com, and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd underscore academy. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.